Welcome back to the San Francisco Giants edition of the For the Fans, By the Fans podcast. In this show, we bring you your weekly dose of all things San Francisco Giants baseball from the fans' perspective. I'm a lifelong Giants fan and your host, Benjamin Shapiro. As the Giants hover right around 500, about 50 games into the season, we welcome back Adam Grossman. Adam is a lifelong Giants fan that lives in Seattle, Washington, and he moonlights as an operations and demand planning consultant. Adam graduated from Vanderbilt in a degree of mathematics, so he's very mathy, and he's going to talk us through some of the statistics he's been digging up based on the Giants' performance of the first 50 games of the season. But before Adam goes all mathematics on us, we want to tell you that this podcast is brought to you on behalf of our friends at Fanatics. Fanatics is the global leader in licensed sports merchandise. They have the world's largest collection of official sports apparel from the leagues, teams, and players you love. That means if you're like my buddy Adam and you're ready to buy your Alan Henson, Herndon, whatever the second baseman who's been playing this week's jersey, you can go on to Fanatics and get a custom-made jersey for a little less than 100 bucks. We're lucky enough to be a Fanatics affiliate, so if you want to help us out, you can go to the link in the show notes for this show or to ftfbtf.com slash fanatics, and when you buy your Giants gear, they'll give us a little kickback to help to pay for the production of this show. So with that said, Adam, I took the first vacation with my wife since our baby was born. I missed an entire week of baseball. I have no idea what's going on. What happened? It's been pretty 500-y. 500-y. Yes. That's how the Giants season has been this far, right? Pretty 500-y. Well, the last time we talked, it was doom and gloom. Both of us were depressed. Beatty and Suarez were getting shelled. They were four games under 500. And we were sitting here ready to just pull the plug and let the water out of the bathtub. And after that, I think they won four series in a row and they were four games ahead of 500. And then before I left, they got the living shit kicked out of them in the state of Pennsylvania. Yeah, they lost seven of eight. Yeah, they got their butts kicked by the Phillies. I think they got swept in four and they dropped three of four against Pittsburgh. And I said, forget it, I'm out of here and went on vacation. So didn't watch much baseball in Columbia. They were up and down. It looked like we were good. Then we were terrible. What happened? They finished out that road trip in Cincinnati and Cincinnati's pretty garbage. And they went two out of three from there. And then they split a four-game series at home with the Rockies. And, you know, the Rockies are good. They're above 500 team, and they split them 500. So they're a couple games under 500 right now. They've got a, a pretty tough stretch coming up over the next three weeks. You know, they just lost, lost is an understatement, lost to the Astros 11-2 to last night to kick off their road trip. But they play two in, in Houston and then three in Chicago. And then they could go to Coors Field for the first time, play three against the Rockies, and then they come home for a stretch against the Phillies, who beat them up good when they were in Philadelphia, and then Arizona, who has been on a pretty bad slide lately, but they're still at the top of the NL West. And then they're actually they're not. I'm looking at the schedules now. The Rockies are up by a half a game. Arizona's second place. As in of the NL last West. night, breaking news. Yeah. Arizona's been garbage, so hopefully that'll <laughs> continue. I think they've lost like 10 of 11 or something like that. And then just rounding it out, they go on the road against the Nationals, and all six of those teams are multiple games above 500. So I think it's going to be a really interesting stretch. This next couple weeks is really going to tell the Giants' trajectory. 
I'm looking at the NL West and I see Arizona obviously came back to earth, right? They're now two games over 500 in their last 10. They're one and nine. So that's awful. Lost six games in a row. Colorado's first place by a half a game, but they're only three games above 500. We're two games out in the NL West, a game below 500. And then lying in the weeds is the Dodgers at 21 and 27, four and a half games back. Like the division is coming back to earth. And the big concern for me is not necessarily whether the Giants are going to win, but it's just given the Dodgers the ability to come back into it. I still think we're going to be a little over 500 at the end of the year. And I think victory for us this season is the Dodgers not winning the World Series and us being competitive. Yeah, I think so. The NL West is shaking out a lot like we talked about at the start of the season, where aside from the Dodgers being surprisingly terrible through the first 50 games, which I don't have any heartburn about, we talked about the Giants, Rockies, and Diamondbacks just kind of beating up on each other throughout the season and San Diego being San Diego, and that seems to be the case. So I'll take a middling to below average Dodger team in that mix as well. And then as far as the Giants being competitive, the thing that I'm happy about is that there are at least a couple of compelling storylines. Hopefully we'll talk about Brandon Belt and I'll eat some crow along with the rest of the universe. Along with the rest of Twitter. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Giving Brandon Belt is due. But then I've been doing some just light number crunching on the Giants pitching and pitching staff. And I think there's some interesting things to talk about there over the next couple of weeks. The thing that occurs to me going back to just looking at the standings are the home and away splits. So A, the Giants are four games over 500 at home and five games under on the road. And a lot of that has to do with you lost four in Philadelphia and three in Pittsburgh. So that road trip was a disaster in terms of the games that we've played away from AT&T Park. The other thing that's interesting to me is just going back to the Dodgers, they're nine and 14 at home. So they're hovering around 500 when they're away from Chavez Ravine. But man, they stink in L.A., Fortunately, I don't follow the Dodgers closely enough to give any educated guesses on why that's the case, but... I'll take it. (laughs) Whatever. Yeah, exactly. I'll take it. Um, Anytime the Dodgers are doing crappy anywhere, it's fine with me. So let's talk about who's been playing well. I kind of get the sense of what happened while I was gone. They were about 500. They came back after a crappy road trip, got healthy against Cincinnati and did all right against the Rockies. What are you seeing in terms of who's playing well and why are they playing the way they are? The person who's really carrying the team right now over the last couple of weeks and really through the front half of the season is Brandon Belt. He is the best hitter right now across the board in the National League. He's like number six in the majors in terms of accumulated war in the league. I'm looking at win over replacement. He's a two. So he's clearly pretty far ahead of the average first baseman. He's got a 313 batting average. He's got 11 home runs, 29 RBIs, 51 hits. And the big thing for Belt is 48 strikeouts, 26 walks. So in a total number 163 at bats, he still has 48 strikeouts, which I think leads the team. But he's getting on base and driving the ball. Yeah, well... I was reading an article on fan graphs specifically that was published, I think, earlier this week that was basically like time to give Brandon Belt his due. And they were saying that he's always had a good eye at the plate. He's like 
13th in the league over the last three years in terms of plate discipline. And everybody kind of poo-poos his power numbers because of the park that he's in. And he's kind of been more of a contact spray hitter. But he's got 11 home runs this year. He's well on pace to hit over 20 home runs for the first time in his career. Hang on a second. Yeah. He's well over on pace to hit 20 home runs for the first time in his career. I'm sorry, I can't get that excited about the best power hitter on the team hitting 20 home runs. I get it. It's the park, but like, wah. 20 home runs is like the shortstop in Cincinnati. It's not a lot of home runs. They play half the games away. It's If you're really going on pace, he's on pace to hit over 30 home runs. I would get a little excited about a Giants player hitting 30 home runs, but 20 home runs, it's like, to use a term from my dad, Wuggis. Who gives a shit? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but that trend sells him short right now. You know, he's OPS is over a thousand. He's doing really well. And the article is talking about why. And he's opened up his zone more, particularly against four seam fastballs. He's really hitting balls that are up and in and down and away at a much higher percentage than he has been over the last couple of years. And Yeah, his strikeouts are up a little bit, but he's definitely hitting the ball more and he seems to be hitting it with power. So hats off to Brandon Belt. And beyond that, he just looks more... All-star-y. Yeah, I mean, he looks more all-star-y. And my big gripe with Belt over the last couple of years has been like, yeah, his numbers look all right, but they're mop-up numbers. He's the guy who's hitting two-run double when they're down six in the eighth inning and he's getting a sweet pitch to hit. But to the contrary, I was watching a game against the Rockies, I think it was Saturday or Sunday, and they were tied 5-5 in the bottom of the eighth. And he came up and hit a three-run bomb. And it's like three-run homer in the tied 5-5 to put him up 8-5 in the eighth. That's what you want a power hitter to hit. And he's been doing that. So he's not only hitting well, but at least over the last couple of weeks, he's hitting timely. Yeah. I always couple the Brandons in my head because they came up around the same time. They have the same name. There are infielders. And to me, like Brandon Belt is the more powerful of the two. They're both good fielders. But the difference between Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford, to me, Brandon Crawford's lower average, much more clutch traditionally. And Belt was like, hey, the numbers look great. But when it matters, like that's not what you see when you look at the stats at the end of the day. And I feel like that's flipped a little bit. I actually, in front of me, I'm looking up the batting splits for May. So for this month. And what occurs to me is Brandon Crawford's hitting 453 this month. So he's actually on fire. (laughs) Buster Posey's batting 350. Belt's batting 325. Alan Hansen's another guy I'd love to talk about. Batting 316. I know he went down. Like There are some guys that are really slapping the ball around the field when you look at May. And it's not just Belt, even though he's, I think, been the most consistent this year. There's some other guys that are getting hot. Uh, The other one that I want to talk about is Andrew McCutcheon. When I left, Andrew McCutcheon was hitting 100. I think he was hitting like 190 when you left, and now he's hitting 245, which is not too surprising. The guy's a consummate all-star. Yeah. The slow start was concerning. And I think when we left last time, when everything was doom and gloom, we were saying... The guys that we brought in are getting their routines down, getting comfortable with the new park, and they're going to be better. And I really think we're starting to see that. We're looking at McCutcheon batting 243 for the season. 
He's only got the three home runs, and Longoria is 251. He's got eight home runs. So you're getting some production out of him. Still not a high average, but your homegrown talent, as much as we give the Giants' farm system a hard time, Belt's batting 313, Crawford's batting 309. That won't last. Posey's batting 304. You got a couple guys that are hovering around 300. It's been the guys that came up through the farm system that are carrying the team so far. I mean, granted, the farm system from eight years ago. But yes. I think the thing that's going to be interesting is that they go on the road over the next couple of weeks and they really hit a slew of hitters ballparks. And so their bats are hot at the right time. And it's going to be real interesting to see how hot they stay. And they could put up some really big numbers going into Chicago and obviously Colorado. So that'll be fun to see. On the flip side, their pitching has me really, really concerned over the next couple of weeks. They very well could be losing some solid nine to seven games. You know who drives me up the wall and is just looking like a terrible contract? Jeff Sabarja. Sabarja. <laughs> oh my God. I get it. Coming off an injury, give him some time. He's a proven, let's call him a proven starter. Basically, he's a 500 pitcher or maybe a little below with like a four run ERA. His ERA is over six right now. Stratton's come back to earth, block like everybody's ERA. Of our starters, excluding Johnny Cueto, the lowest ERA is 4.37. Yep. The starting pitching is a problem, and the bullpen has actually been pretty good, it looks like. So I actually want to talk about this. This is where I did some research, because not only has their starting pitching been a problem from an ERA standpoint, but they've been a problem from an innings standpoint. So... The thing I get concerned about is that their starters are just not going very deep into the game. And while that's fine in the first 50 games, if you keep that up through a season, you basically just burn through your bullpen. And by the end of the year, your bullpen's just garbage and you can't keep up. And I think this is what happened to the Rockies a couple of years ago when they got out to a really hot start and then they hit the all-star break and they lost. 40 of their last 60 games or something like that because their bullpen just died on them. So I started looking at how deep the Giants starting pitchers were going into the game compared to the rest of the league. And the average starting pitchers. Can I guess? Yeah, go for it. The average starting pitcher goes five and two thirds. Yeah, roughly five and two. All right. Yep. And the Giants are going like four and two thirds. It's not that bad, but they're like a third of an inning less, which is a big deal. For those of you who are math heads, the top staffs in the league. So like the Indians, the Astros, the Nationals, their starting pitching is going six and a third, six and two thirds. So they're getting a full inning more out of their starters than everybody else in the league. And the Giants are in the bottom third. They're like 30th percentile followed up by the Rays who are getting like four and two thirds and actually had Sergio Romo pit start a game or start two games this year <laughs> in the last week <laughs> on a side there. The ironic thing is Sergio Romo is a starting pitcher and Pablo Sandoval has an ERA of zero. Well, no, it's actually the, the Rays are doing this thing where they're basically like starting their bullpen first and then they're just trying to get through 27 innings, which from a analytics perspective might be an interesting experiment and you can do that when your payroll is like 26 million dollars but anyway essentially the Giants starting pitching is going a five and a third and then when I look deeper into their actual individual starters 
that five and a third innings is really skewed because Johnny Cueto had two complete games at the start of the season. You know, he started five games and has gone 32 innings, whereas Ty Block is doing five innings and Stratton's going about five innings and Suarez is five innings or so. So they're not going very deep into the games. And subsequently, their bullpen, which has been pretty decent, has a top 10 innings on it through the first 50 games. And that's just not sustainable. Yeah. And now they go on the stretch of three weeks where they go against good hitting teams. They could end up in a situation where some of these guys really get shelled and don't go more than two, three, four innings. And they end up eating up a lot of innings and putting a big tax on their bullpen. That's my big concern over the next couple of weeks. I think they'll end up being 500-ish. But I think the real underlying question is going to be how much do they have to tax their bullpen in order to be at that 500 level over that period of time? They've got a whole damn until you get, what, Bumgarner is supposed to come back in two weeks? I hear what you're saying. And I think that the reason to be relatively optimistic is you're really pitching with your third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh starters, right? Who is the best starter on this team? It's not the guys that are pitching right now. Samarja has been dramatically disappointing. He should be the best starting pitcher they have right now, and he's actually the worst. And maybe you could say that Suarez is the worst, but Samarja should be leading this staff. He's the third pitcher and the first and second are out and it's just not happening. And Chris Stratton is coming back to earth and Ty Block is just sort of what he is. He's a four and a half run ERA and hopefully a 500 pitcher, but probably a little bit under that. And I think the reason to be optimistic is in two weeks, it looks like you're getting Bumgarner back. And then in another two or three weeks after that, you're probably getting Cueto back. And so say goodbye to Suarez. And I'm not sure who they would actually send down, maybe Holland, when Cueto comes back. But, you know, you're getting two theoretically elite level pitchers, which should solve some of this problem. So I just look at it as they just got to put their finger in the dike and hope that the whole thing doesn't collapse for the next couple of weeks. And that's what I'm saying is going back to the start of the pod, the next three weeks really, I think, sets a trajectory for their team through the summer. If they're below 500, if they're hovering around 500, you know, if they're down six and have really chewed through their bullpen, they got a lot of work to do over the next couple of weeks. And after that, but if they're able to kind of, like you said, hold the line with their starters and that their bats can give them some breathing room over the next couple of weeks, then they're interesting going through the summer and they can give a guy like Suarez a bit of a breather. You know, he's a young guy. He's like 24 and it's his first year up and it's a lot of innings to go through in your first season. And I think it would be good if they could get a couple of these guys back and send them down to the minors just to catch his breath a little bit and work on a couple of things and then bring him back up in late June, July so that he can get his confidence as well as a little bit of his strength back. To use a football metaphor, there's C.J. Beathard, who was the starter for the Niners, and basically the Niners put him out there in the middle of the season and just said, hey, look, we need somebody who's going to get the ever-living shit kicked out of him so the guys that we actually want to start don't get hurt. So uh, get out there and good luck and take one for the team, and that's absolutely what's happening to Suarez right now. 
It's one of the reasons why I think they brought up Suarez, not BD. It's like someone's getting shelled, and I think that BD they probably think has a higher ceiling. We're like hoping you could take one for the team and just ignore your ERA, just go out there and try to stay in the game. And that's Bethard, which is also spelled beat hard. That's kind of what it is. It's like you're going to take your lumps, just go out there and try not to get murdered. Yeah. It's compelling storylines. I think at the end of the day, they're a 500 team, but they're worth watching, which is at the end of the day, what's important. If I were down in the Bay Area, I would be going to Wednesday afternoon day games with this team. They're good enough to sit in the sun and watch for an afternoon instead of working. Yeah, absolutely. So let's look on the bright side and talk about we have this thing where you get to pick a guy. Who's your guy for the team? It's early in the season. So I'm not going to ask you to stick to one. Give me your three top candidates for your guy on this team. I'm always a Posey guy. I know that's a pretty vanilla answer, but I'm a vanilla dude when it comes to that kind of stuff. And I'm going to totally do it and jump onto the bandwagon. I'm excited to see Brandon Belt. I want to see him do well. He's an interesting guy for this year. And, you know, he's been injured. I want to see Mac Williamson. I want to see him come up and do well. He's probably the one guy that when he came up, like, man, some fresh blood. He's hitting the ball out of the park. And I just want to see him back on the field again and see what he's got. We overlap with one player. I think the guys who I think are going to be my guy this year, there is no one on the starting pitching staff. Zero. I'm excited to see Mac Williamson too. And my hope is it's not a flash in the pan and he just got hot for a couple of days but that he's really discovered something with his swing and we get that Justin Turner-esque, hey, you bounced around and you weren't very good and then you tweak some things and now you're finally using that power that everybody else was there. So I'm excited to see him, but I want to see consistent performance. You know, I think that he could really be a spark and solve some of the outfield problems. I was excited about Alan Hansen. I actually didn't see any of the games he played in because I was touring around Medellin and Cartagena. But I looked up and whenever my phone would catch some Wi-Fi, it would say that he hit a home run. So a power hitting second baseman, like obviously Joe Panic's going to be plugged in there. But dude hit 298 and four home runs in 14 games. I'm pretty excited about a little new blood and a little pop coming off the bench. And the last one I'll throw in there is I, for some reason, I just like Evan Longoria. And maybe it's, he's got an easy swing. And at some point here, I think that he is going to catch fire. And if there's somebody that's going to be a 25 home run, 100 RBI, 290 hitter, like it's Brandon Belt right now, but Longoria has that in him. I don't know why. I just, I like how he plays the game. And I think there's sometimes when he just hits it and it's like, it doesn't even look like he's trying hard and that ball will sail. So I'm optimistic about Longoria and I'll always have a soft spot for Pablo. So I'll throw in a bonus that Pablo, the pitcher very well could be my guy. Pablo's all about soft spots. He's one gigantic soft spot. Oh, you got to love Pablo. Ew. Ew. <laughs> All right. Give me a couple of parting thoughts, other things that you looked at on the way out, any good baseball stories. What's been keeping you entertained? So I have two. As we've said, I live up in Seattle. And unlike the Giants, who a lot of people don't realize this, the Giants have the most number of weekday day games that are played at home of pretty much any team, aside from, I think, like the Cubs and in the majors. 
And like, that was one of my favorite things was to just skip out on work in the afternoon and go and watch a Giants game and be home for dinner. And this past week, the Mariners had a weekday day game against the Rangers. And so I went to that game and the Mariners are perennially meh, even though they are doing quite well. The Mariners? Yeah, the Mariners. They're the most below average team in baseball. When was the last time they made the playoffs? 2001. Actually, fun fact, the Mariners have the longest streak of non-playoff seasons of any franchise in the four major sports right now. Didn't they set the record for wins in a season or they were like top two for wins in a season and then they haven't made the playoffs since? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the Yankees ruined them. Yeah. So the fun story here is I picked up tickets behind home plate, scalping for like 20 bucks. And I was like, I don't know who's pitching or whatever. And who strolls out on the mound for the Rangers, but Bartolo Colon. (laughs) Nice. I saw Bartolo Colon pitch one of the most Bartolo Coloniest pitching performances. And the Mariners put up one of the most Mariner-ish games. He pitched seven and two-thirds shutout innings and five hit the Mariners. And oh my God, these hitters, they had no clue what was coming at them. And he never threw a pitch more than 86 miles an hour. Yeah, he threw nothing but snot rockets. Oh yeah, just turkey grease on the ball. Barbecue sauce. Yeah, barbecue (laughs) sauce. And they used up their mound visits to give him like ho-hos and Twinkies in between batters. And (laughs) he actually got hit by a line drive right in the gut in the third inning and didn't even feel it no like they went out and checked on him and the guy got halfway out and he's like i'm fine i'm fine (laughs) afterwards in the post game report he's like i didn't even feel it because i'm so fat (laughs) like he actually said it it was great and i have to tell you bartolo cologne is just one of my favorite baseball players of this era he's like the andre the giant of baseball I can't hate him. I just want to see him pitch whenever I can. Like, I can't get enough of Bartolo Colon pitching. It's like watching a teddy bear pitch. Yeah, it's fantastic. All right, give me your second story. The other one is from my backyard baseball, my son, who turned four this past week. Since the weather's gotten nice, we go out to the baseball diamond and, you know, now being four, he can basically just, we're tired of going and getting balls over the fence. So we go down to the park and hit. I played for an hour on the baseball diamond with him and part of the way through he asked me he's like daddy what's left-handed because he's heard us talk about left-handed hitters and Ken Griffey he has a Ken Griffey Jr. jersey and we talk about Barry Bonds so he asked you know what's left-handed and I said well left-handed is when you hit from the other side of the plate he goes can I hit left-handed yeah sure you can switch your hands up and whatever so I start pitching to him And he starts just raking the ball left-handed down the right field line. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, Tito Grossman. (laughs) Yeah, I expected that he was like, okay, that's cool. Um, I'll switch back to right-handed because that's how I was played. And he just looks at me and goes, I like batting left-handed. It's better. I was like, sweet, bats left, throws right. (laughs) From that, you know, this is like two weeks now. All he wants to do is bat left-handed. It's awesome. <laughs> if you could teach him to throw left-handed, you got a good shot at being a reliever. Hey, I'm going with bats left, throws right, and plug him out into left field, and you're good to go. 
Emmett Tito Grossman, your starting left fielder for the San Francisco Giants 2030 baseball team. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, Adam, that's a great place for us to stop. I'm glad to hear that you're having a good time in the backyard and watching the games. And uh, that's a wrap for today's show. Our plan is to do this every week. So if you want more Giants baseball in your podcast feed, click that subscribe button. And also, since we're just getting started, we'd love for you to give us a rating in the Apple iTunes store or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can always send us any questions that you might have. You can find us at forthefansbythefans.com or just go to ftfbtf.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search ftfbtf. Lastly, thanks to our friends at Fanatics. If you're going to go buy your Giants gear, or your Mariners gear or your Bartolo Cologne jersey with barbecue sauce on it, go to <laughs> ftfbtf.com slash fanatics and our buddies at Fanatics will kick us a couple of bucks to help produce this show. That's it for this time. Go Giants. Let's try to hold the ship until Bum and Cueto get back. Until next time, swing and a miss, and that's it. Uh-huh.